Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey, Freedom Slayer. In today's episode, I chat with business future-proofing extraordinaire, author, keynote speaker, LinkedIn master, and my mastermind buddy, Tracy Levine, who has earned millions by assisting leaders to keep ahead of the curve through building rock-solid cultures in their companies that create stability for the employees and increase income and opportunities for everybody involved. Her company has been featured everywhere from Forbes to the Wall Street Journal. And over the last 14 years, she's worked with over 100,000 professionals and partnered with more than 4,000 companies. Yep, you heard me right. Tracy has her finger on the pulse of all things AI and business disruptions. And because of this, I just had to have her on the podcast. Now, I don't want to give away too much because I want you to be surprised by some of the things she teaches, but I will say that she dives deeply into some changes Google is making and why your website may not be able to be found in the near future if you don't make some tweaks. She also touches on what it takes to build true lasting influence and drops a free resource. Yep, a free resource you can take advantage of that'll separate you from the pack. And this is just scratching the surface. So without any more delay, I hope you enjoy this episode with Tracy Levine all about how to future-proof your business while staying relevant today. Hey, hey, Tracy, how's it going? It's going great. Happy to be here, Gainette. I'm so excited you're on. You have no idea. So I know you've earned millions by helping over 100,000 professionals and companies over the last 14 years. Can you let us know how this all began? I would be happy to. And I'd like to tell you that it was planned, but it wasn't. Um, I became an accidental female entrepreneur. I had worked on Wall Street for 14 years. I was 33 years old. I was a VP in a major Wall Street firm. And frankly, I was just burnt out. So there came an opportunity to take time off. So I did. And my retirement lasted all of two weeks. I remember going to a school PTA meeting where a group of smart, intelligent parents spent over two hours arguing over what type of muffins to serve at grandparents' student art night. I remember getting in the car, calling my husband and saying the dress doesn't fit. I can't do this. So I decided I couldn't be retired. And I took a job at a fast growing recruiting firm that specialized in technology placement. And it was a really strange experience. There wasn't a lot of female recruiters at that time, or particularly in technology. And about six months into the job, I get called into the co-owner's office where they tell me that I'm closing too many deals and I'm making the other recruiters uncomfortable. So I spent the next month taking two hour walks thinking this is crazy at lunch. So I wouldn't make people uncomfortable and finally came to the conclusion I could do this better. And that's how Advantage Talent Inc. came about. When we started Advantage Talent Inc., within 10 months, we were on a $1 million revenue run rate. Wait, and wait, wait. You said within two months or what? Within 10 months, sorry. Within 10 months, but even still, geez. Okay, I'm going to let you continue. But wow, <laughs> go girl. <laughs> I think I brought my Wall Street 
work ethic. When you work on Wall Street, and I had $11 billion portfolio, I worked with Japanese hedge funds, they don't take losing money well. So there was no downtime and you were mandated to work 24 seven and you were mandated to be present when you were managing other people's money. And I think that helped us succeed. And so this last year we sold our recruiting firm division after owning it for a little over 14 years. And we've now changed our focus to helping people future-proof their careers and small business owners future-proof their jobs because this is the way most people are going to get paid going forward. It's not going to be in corporate jobs. And so now is the time to pivot to taking your side hustle into a business or pivoting your small business to take in all the revenue that's going to be available and money to earn in this new disruptive job market. And while everybody's talking about how awful it is, I see this time in history as this wonderful pivot point for people to make it happen. And I think that's what separates entrepreneurs from entrepreneurs, those who seek the opportunity around them and others only see obstacles, right? And I do think that your Wall Street background has made such a big impact on who you are as a business owner, because I love that you are sans fluff. Like anyone who's been around Tracy knows that he gets right to it. He teaches you what you need to learn and he lets go of all the fluff. And I really appreciate that about you. And I think you're absolutely right. This is the time for us to really hone in on the opportunities around us and go into this future of business because we're really in the future now. And one thing I love about you is that you don't care about things that other people tend to like surface level metrics, like likes and shares. You're quite the influencer in your space and have a completely different idea of what influence is and what companies and other partners are looking for from influencers, and I'm using air quotes that you can't see, and experts. So do you care to share what your thought is on influence and how it works? Absolutely. I go around talking about something called digital citizenship. And not understanding good digital citizenship can harm your brand and your side hustle and your small business. And Gaynette, the best way to think about this is to imagine you're at a dinner party. One person is monopolizing the conversation. They're talking about themselves. They're a great job. They're a great boyfriend. They're a great husband. They're perfect children and their personal successes. It's annoying, right? It's natural for people to want to talk about themselves, but there is a tipping point of what is appropriate. And what scientists have found is that people in personal interaction talk about themselves 30 to 40% of the time. But when people go online, all semblance of socially acceptable behavior goes out the window. And what scientists have found is that online, people spend 80% of their time talking about themselves. And to add to this imbalance, many personal branders sell processes to teach people how to be the most annoying person online. (laughs) (laughs) And so I want you to couple that with the reason why people post online. And what all the marketing companies have found is that 60% of people who post online do so to give others a better sense of who they are and to share what they care about. So as a female business owner or a side hustle, you need to ask yourself, have my social media habits made me the most annoying person at the party? 
And what that means, am I giving my customers and clients a voice? Have I stopped talking long enough to understand them? And what separates a true influencer that turns their interactions online into business is they take time to listen to their customers. And when they do speak, they know they are sharing something that their customers want to hear and want to talk about. That's so important. And like you said, not only are they listening, but then they take what they're learning and utilize that to help them even more, the customer that is. So that is so true. So it's not about posting your booty shots, you guys, and trying to put the cutest slim tee and bathing suit on and hold it in your hand. That's not what influence is about. And it's not going to last very long because at the end of the day, that body's going to change. You know, social media platforms and what's popular today isn't going to be the same tomorrow. But what will remain is how you interact with your customers and the relationship you build along the way. So I really do love that approach you have to influence and what really matters out there. And I remember when we first met earlier this year, you went into detail about a software that you and many others use to determine someone's influence and X factor, if you will. Can you explain what it is and who's using it and why? We'll be back after a quick break. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Okay, Nathan, that's a great question. And I'm going to back it up and put it in a broader perspective than the hiring software that's used by companies to hire vendors, small businesses, and people to join their company. And I want you to step back for a moment because the simple answer is everyone is using this software and everyone is programming this. And that includes Google, Bing, LinkedIn, and most recruiting and hiring systems are ranking you compared to others in your niche or business space. And the reason why they're having to change the software and how people find you and who gets ranked at the top is currently there are over 900 million public profiles between personal and business websites, Behance, which is where all marketers post all of their work to get hired, GitHub, which is where all these software people go, where they post their code, their projects, and put their bios so people can hire them. LinkedIn, which has over 600 million public profiles, and online conference speakers, all their bios come up, and patents. And so when anybody puts a patent in anywhere in the world, those patents, most of them are searchable with the person's bio. So think about in this new world where there are 900 million public profiles. Companies and search engines have to sort through such a large volume of profiles that it requires a new framework than what they've had in the past. So they are creating algorithms to sort through the fluff. And what that means is 
they're sorting through the profiles to see under your bio if you're giving high value information, if you have up-to-date skills that show that you can work in a 21st century digital economy, and do people stay on your personal website or your public profile once they get there? Are you relevant? Or do once they get there, is there nothing that shows that you are relevant or have the skills in order to do what you say you can do? And so what I would tell everybody is everybody is being graded on their expertise, their influence in their industry, and that X factor. And that X factor is whether people stay long enough to learn more about you and want to learn more about you because you've given them something that is relevant for what they're wanting to do, particularly as a business owner. What solution problem does your product or service you know, solve for them, whether it's a consumer business or a business to business sale, you have to have some meat. Mm -hmm. And I know you have access to it, but what about someone who's sitting there listening to this podcast and they're curious, they're like, crap, I hope I don't have a bad grade. And I remember when you first started talking about it at the mastermind we was in, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, crap, I wonder what, you know, what it's saying about me, but you came over and you started sharing, you know, what you saw and all of that, which I thought was so cool at the time. I still think it's cool actually. And I'm just wondering everyone else listening to this, they're probably saying, Oh, I wonder how I grade on the system amongst others in my industry. How can they figure out where they stand really? Okay. I'm going to give you two different grades. What you can do is call a friend of yours and have them put in Google or Bing how you believe somebody would search for you. If your business or side hustle or website does not come up on the first page, then your reputation is not high. The algorithms have already sorted you out and I call it the cancel culture of algorithms. So that's the first step. The second part is LinkedIn on the talent side. Um, has this massive, you know, sorter and is artificial intelligence and machine learning. And on that side, enterprise clients, which are the Fortune 500, are larger companies that may buy your product or you eventually want to carry your consumer product in their store. They can, on the back end, do the same thing. They can put in how people would search for you. And if you do not show up on the back side, once again, on the first page or in the first, you know, 10 pages, you're basically what they call a null, which means you are not confirmed. You do not have a reputation. You're not an expert in your field. You have not upskilled and you're just not who I need to partner with. And this is particularly true when people are looking for jobs, whether you're a freelancer or whether you're looking for the traditional corporate position, they're comparing you to, think about this, there's over 600 million public profiles. Now take this bigger and you're sitting at a larger firm or somebody like us who has a whole bunch of sorters. And those sorters go through Google and all of the places I talked about before, Behance, GitHub, and they sort you and they rank you around your peers, around relevance. So that part is sort of blind to you, but what you can do is get rid of the fluff. And what I mean by get rid of the fluff, get to a clear, concise answer quickly about what your product is, what your service is, what you solve, and what your solution is. 
and make it in a clear, concise, approachable way that the algorithms can look at. And here's the other part, and this is where I want to remind people about digital citizenship. These programs also give you a personality score. And when you post lots of pictures, like you said, booty shots and you're, look how gorgeous I am, look at me online, particularly on Instagram, what these personality tests say is you're neurotic. And it's true because going back to the party, think about you're sitting at a party and that person is monopolizing all the attention. Every picture, every post is about them. And what that tells them is you're probably not going to be a good team player. And people who are not team players can't influence people to buy their products, buy their services, or follow them on their team. I like that. It's a lot of information you packed into that answer. And I really do like the analogy with the party because when they are, these large companies are sorting through so many different individuals they could potentially pick from, this is the way they're doing it now, right? So you have to ask yourself, am I that annoying person, like Tracy said, at the party? If someone were to just go on my Instagram page and look at nothing else, what would they get from the first 12 images, the first 12 images or the last 12 that are on your page, what, what opinion are they going to form? Because not even just the big companies, but even potential individual clients that could be popping up there are going to form an opinion. And if you are posting things that aren't relevant to them, then what, what influence are you really having on the life of your customer? So I do like that. And one thing I noticed really quickly upon meeting you, Tracy, is that you have your finger on the pulse of future business. And of course, you've helped people to future proof. So it's only natural, right? But what can we expect to see more of in the coming years, like as it relates to AI? How can we prepare? Well, what I'm really, really excited about what I would tell your listeners, be prepared for more opportunities for entrepreneurs and side hustlers to thrive and have great monetary success. And why am I so optimistic about the small business owner, the entrepreneurs and the side hustlers having this great opportunity in time? It's data. And what's awesome about data is the great equalizer. And much of the data that entrepreneurs need to be competitive is free and publicly available. And in order to access that data, it's really important to upskill. And I'm getting ready to give your listeners the best tip for success. Ooh, I'm excited. And I promise you, if you follow this next piece of advice, it will change your business. Google has a program that's called Google Digital Garage. It's available in 40 countries. It's free. If you're in the United States, just sign up for the UK version because there is not a version in the United States. It's many lessons. It's 106 of them. Each lesson takes you through a step. And the steps are how to build your website. The steps are where to find the data. For example, if you sell, say, silk scarves, you can drill down with that data and know that in Canada, they want their scarves to be yellow. But over here in Georgia, where I live, they want them to be blue. And by the way, in Georgia, they only buy them in January. But in Canada, they buy their yellow scarves from November to January. So you don't have to waste money 
producing the wrong color, buying the wrong color, selling the wrong color in the wrong market. And Google even takes it further. They tell you how to set up your business, how to deal with taxes, how to set up your website that is a global website, how to figure out deliveries and global sites. They go so far as to say, tell me what you do as a business in this lesson, and we'll tell you what markets match your market. So while you may be in Canada or the United States, this product you have would do great in Germany. And by the way, this is how you set up your website to capture that business in Germany. This is how you deliver your product. And I want to reiterate, it's called Google Digital Garage and it is free. And when you get through with this certification, it is the equivalent of the American Marketing Association certificate, but it's the European version of it. And not only do you gain credibility, you gain business power by learning how to set up your Google business for free in the search engines. And they teach you how to come to the top. They teach you how to take your website and say you're a career coach. They'll teach you how to look at other career coach websites and compare it and see if you are touching the same points that everybody else who has a top website is touching. It is powerful stuff. And if I can encourage anybody, any female entrepreneur or side hustle person to do one thing for themselves, take the time to take this course for free. Tracy, as I'm listening to you, my mouth is wide open. I'm like, oh my goodness, I wrote it down. I'm going to get this certification. I'm on quarantine right now. I have all the time. And you guys likely have a lot of time, extra time in your hands as well. And what I really want you to pay attention to is what Tracy mentioned about the access to information they have. And this is where you need to rest your ego aside because a lot of you listening may be saying, well, I know what my customer wants or I know when they're buying. Now I want to hold you right there and tell you that you don't know nearly as much as Google knows. So if anybody knows anything about who your ideal client is and not even just what they like and what they want, but their habits and, you know, just what they do often, it's Google. So I would encourage you all to get to the Google Digital Garage and to pay attention to Tracy because she knows her stuff, man. <laughs> I'm excited about this. I can't wait to check it out now. And I know Google's making some changes too, specifically as it relates to the website. What are these exactly and how can we prep our website to comply with this? I know you taught me a few of the things already, but I really want to share this with the audience. Well, I want to put this all in context because Google makes changes based on the way we use the internet. So I want you to think about this, Gayanete. Over 1 billion devices are in use that allow people to do voice searches. Think about the smartwatches. Think about the mobile phones. Think about Alexa. Think about Google Home. So in 2020, over 50% of internet searches will be voice. So this is changing the landscape because in the past, website design was heavily SEO weighted and very visual. It had to be pretty. And I will say that when somebody goes to your website, you still want it to be a very pleasant customer experience. But voice search is adding a new dimension. And so it's less about SEO. It's more about making your website ready for voice search. And what that means is if you want to make your website come up 
more often, think about when you ask a question, you're wanting an answer when you do a voice search. So the best thing you could do, and the number one thing that's gonna be the most powerful is to create a frequently asked questions section. And so think about what would your customer be asking their voice activated device about your product? And you could check this out by the predictive text within Google search bar or the, even the Bing search bar is ask questions and see what questions are suggested that people are wanting answered and use that as your guide to create a robust frequently asked questions section. And then the other part of the equation is you need to write long content with simple words. Think about words your customers would use in a voice search. And the reason why long content is becoming king when you think about everybody, I'm in career coaching, everybody writes about career coaching. So when you think about all the blogs that are out there and now you have LinkedIn blog, they're not indexing blogs less than a thousand words, I think was in 2018. And then in 2019, it went up to 1500 words and nobody has an exact answer, but in order to have your blog index for long evergreen content, you might as well, if you're gonna write it, make it evergreen, because what you say should be truthful and something that holds the test of time. You're looking at a blog that takes 2,500 words and LinkedIn marketing has done a study on this. People who spend five to six hours writing one 2,500 word to 3,000 word blog turn more business, more readers into people who actually buy because they're typically, when you go to that length, you've done your research, you're giving value, you're giving them all the information that they need to pay you for your product. You're getting them to yes. You're making them comfortable with the yes because you're giving them understanding beyond the surface. And then the third thing you should do is make sure your site is secure and you have an SSL certificate. As more systems are being hacked and people are more conscious of security, and when we think about bringing Alexa in your home or Google in your home, nobody wants to go to a website that they feel that somebody could hack and get into their private data. So it's really, really important to spend that extra money and make your website secure. Okay, and I heard you mention about the indexing with the long content. Someone who's listening and they're like, what do you mean indexing my long content? What is that? And I also remember when we met, you had mentioned something about on the about page, sharing exactly what it is you do and who you serve. Are you able to speak on those two things a bit more, please? Yes, the two things. When I talk about indexing, within articles, you want to have paragraphs. You know, when you see a Google snippet, for example, I wrote a Forbes article on the five hour rule in 2020. It's a Google snippet. And the reason why it's a Google snippet is I have a paragraph that very concisely tells people what the five hour rule is. So in under one second, there are 640 million content articles on the five hour rule. And mine is picked as the Google snippet because when you go click on that article, not only do I have a clear definition, I have a framework for executing. So when you think about indexing, you want to give them as many opportunities 
to have your article come up as the answer. And the longer it is and the more thoughtful you are about your content, having answers and not just opinions, the more likely you are to come up at the top of the search and the more likely you're going to become a Google snippet. And why do you want to become a Google snippet? In voice search and in the way customers are using LinkedIn, we typically ask a question. And so a lot of times they're not going to click through your website. So every time you come up as a Google snippet, that's the only point of contact they may have with you, but it's a powerful point of contact and it's a free point of contact. And long content is one of the top ways to get a Google snippet. And now I'm going to flip it on you and sound like I'm contradicting myself. But the other way to be brought up as a Google snippet or to be brought up as the answer on voice is to what you were talking about in your about section. People want information. So the clearer you can be about who you are, what problem you solve and how you solve it in your process and the price to do it and the geography of who you can help the more likely you're going to be considered high value and move to the top because think when you're buying something we want to know you know do you have the tools to do it and how much time is it going to take what's your process and how much is it going to cost me? Because people care about cost and time when they're buying products, whether it's consumer products or business products. I hope that answered what you were looking for. It did. You girl, you, you nailed it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we need to hear. And she gave you some really easy takeaways just now. Well, not necessarily easy, but easily digestible, right? So quick things you can fix on your website. That's going to help make a big difference in the way you're ranking with this new addition now with how people are searching. So I really like that. And I know that LinkedIn is your playground, Tracy. Do you think more small business owners should be flocking there even if they aren't into professional services? Or is that something specifically for like businesses, large corps? I get asked this question about Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Vimeo, you name it, TikTok, LinkedIn. So I'm gonna take this out a little bit further. You have to look at why social media platforms exist, how they make money. And one thing that's really unique about LinkedIn, about 21% of their users make up 65% of the revenue. So their goal is to make the customer experience for that 21% of customers who make up the majority of the revenue a positive customer experience and they want to keep them on the platform. So when you look at the way that LinkedIn makes money, 65% of their revenue comes from their talent system. And that's what HR uses, human resource professionals, and that's what recruiters use. So if you have a business that helps somebody get found by these recruiters, look better to these recruiters, then yes, you should be on there. Approximately 20% of the revenue comes from business ads. 80% of business to business revenue and sales comes from advertising on LinkedIn's platform. So if you are somebody, even if you're a solopreneur that has something you want to sell to a business, then it's worth being on there because businesses get business on there. Another 15% of the revenue comes from their premium services, which includes Sales Navigator, which is used by salespeople. And what Sales Navigator does is it tells them 
who the 6.8 decision makers are who are deciding whose product gets bought. So when you take all of this into consideration, if you're a small business that doesn't fit into one of these three buckets, or you're not facilitating these buckets being successful, if you're not somebody who designs graphic design or markets or helps do digital marketing, or you don't sell professional services, you're not going to get much traction because the algorithms, once again, are going to determine you're not high value. They're not going to be serving you up to a large contingency of users. So if you don't fit in the buckets, it's better to spend your time and money on a social media platform that's more in line with where your customers and clients will be. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And for someone who is just beginning or has been in business for a while and hasn't really paid much attention to it, how can they begin to build an influential brand, whether on LinkedIn or some other platform, and be seen as the go-to in their industry? What advice do you have for them? That's a great question. And I tell everybody, to be a great brand, you have to act like a successful great brand on social media. And what that means is, I'm going to repeat something I said earlier, talk less, listen more. Because smart brands know that social media listening is a competitive advantage. Because by listening to your customers and clients, you can figure out what your customers are buying and what they don't like. You get to learn from other brands' successes and failures, and you get to know what your customers need to hear. Knowing your customer enables you to be intentional about how you engage your customers and clients. And that's awesome because it gets you out of the rat race of feeling like you have to post just to post and be seen. What you're teaching your clients by listening to them is they know that when you post, you have something to say that's going to be of value to them because you know them. So listening is the most powerful thing you can do to grow your business and get your business back on track. I like that. What I hear from that is that your social media really isn't about you. And that's something that we need to understand. Our social media isn't about us, but how we can better serve our customer and listen to them so that they can let us know how we can best serve them. So I, yeah, I really appreciate that you reiterated that message because it's important that they know. What do you see being the biggest challenge for business owners today who are trying to become this go-to expert? Well, for female entrepreneurs and side hustlers, I see three challenges. First, the global economy is changing to a freelance gig and entrepreneur economy, which means more people are online trying to be heard. The second challenge is the way people research and learn about services and products has changed. It's more of a flywheel than a funnel. You don't know how they're going to get to you because everybody searches and researches differently, whether they're using voice or whether they're still typing and going online and using SEO. You have no idea how your client's going to come to you. And that's very different landscape. And the third challenge is the way people choose products and services has changed. They are looking for quality, relevant customer reviews. They're not looking for vanity reviews or paid for reviews. Authenticity matters. So the people who review you should be people who look just like them. They shouldn't be famous people. 
They should be the everyday customer or client that buys you. And one thing I would caution everybody in this new environment, trying to be the go-to expert may be putting your ladder against the wrong wall. And what I mean by that, think about the way we search. We ask questions, we want our answers quick, we want it simple, we wanna know everything about you, the process, the price. You want to be the just-in-time solution, the right solution, and the verified solution. And this is particularly true as more searches switch to voice. More than ever, entrepreneurs need to be accessible online where more clients and customers will look for you. You will need to be relevant to what they are searching. This means clearly articulating your products and services. And I know I keep reiterating this in simple words. Because when we do voice searches, we try to make it simple words, short sentences, and give your customers or clients the answers they're looking for quickly. And that's going to be the biggest way that you become the person or the expert who gets hired. Love that. So many gems in that. Oh my goodness. And one thing you had mentioned, I believe it was number two, where you were talking about authentic reviews and testimonials from people that look like your customer. And I believe it was you who told me earlier this year that like, even if you, someone, let's say they bought your book and they legitimately bought it with their own money, you didn't convince them, but you've been in the same room as them or they know you, you've been to their house, you aren't able to put a review up. Was that, that was you that taught me that, right, Tracy? Correct. Yeah. And the example I give, we wrote a book, When Future-Proofing Your Workforce in the Age of Disengagement. And we went to put the book out because when you think about a book, we are public speakers. We have over 135,000 opt-in private newsletter recipients. And you have to think that's awesome, right? Well, what we found out is Amazon is trying to fix the fact that people are suspicious of reviews now. And what we found out, anybody who had been in a room with us in a speaking engagement or had come to our business meetings, they filtered out and would not allow them to write reviews. And so it's very interesting. Um, we've sold over a thousand copies of our book at this point. We put it out in January, 2020, and we only have four or five reviews, I think at this point, because pretty much because we are public figures, nobody can write reviews. So I want to remind everybody out there, everybody is very serious about bringing reviews back into being authentic and real. Because what we got into is this whole vanity review. And I'll give an example. Recently, somebody wrote a book and I opened the book on the editorial reviews and there's a famous speaker. There's another, you know, New York Times bestselling author, but none of the people in the front have run a business. There's nothing authentic about a whole bunch of business people reading a book that is being endorsed by people who don't run small businesses. And so what Amazon and other places where you can leave reviews are trying to do is to make them be real. 
I like that. I appreciate that realness. And it reminds me, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not left a review, we probably haven't been in the same room because I looked today and this podcast is in over 600 cities all over. So I want you to leave a review wherever you're listening to it. And even if you don't have an Apple account, I believe you can go onto Apple Podcasts and leave a review. So thank you for that reminder, Tracy. And it makes a whole lot of sense. And I do like that you said, you know, business people have books and they have testimonials and reviews, I should say, from people who aren't small business owners. So, you know, that, what is it called? The forward at the beginning of the book, a lot of times, and the person who writes the review or that's right at the front of the book, a lot of times people are just glazing over that now because it isn't real to who they are. So yeah, I really like that. And you mentioned your book that came out in January. Congrats. And I know you also have another book. She has a book called The F-Word Feedback, a guided journal for turning feedback to fuel. So it's for millennial fempreneurs and young female leaders. And I'm going to leave the link below in the description for this book because I think it will be really great for you to grab. You can already tell that Tracy is a wealth of knowledge and her and her daughter actually came together and wrote this book. And her daughter's name is Adrian. And I'm probably going to mispronounce the last name. I think it's Tetchish. What is it? It's Touch. Adrian Touch. Touch. Okay. I'm like, no, it's Dr. T. Okay. Yeah. Adrian Touch. And yeah, so I'm going to put that link below for you guys to check out and as well as the book she just mentioned, because I think that will be a great one for you too. So Tracy, I have another question for you. With this recent COVID-19 scare, I mean, I'm in the closet right now. My whole family's home because it's quarantine. You said you've been in the house for like 10 days. And the fear of this looming recession, especially because you're someone from Wall Street, what do you think entrepreneurs should be focusing on to stay relevant and paid during these times? Okay, I'm going to ask you to bear with me because I'm going to tell you a story. So, Gayanete, I want you to imagine it's 1697. You're a Dutch explorer. You're going through the Australian outback. You're looking at the wildlife and you see something that's so beautiful and graceful and unexpected that shakes your belief in everything you know to be true. That's what happened to a Dutch explorer, Wilhelm Volum. The belief by most people in the 17th century was that all swans were white. Yet right in front of him was this beautiful black swan. And what that event did, it changed what scientists knew and believed about swans. It changed the whole scientific system about what we believed was possible in nature and that black swans did exist. So in financial terms on Wall Street, you should be treating this moment as a black swan event. It's a short-term crisis that is shaking your belief in your processes and what you hold to be true as to what makes a successful business or a side hustle. But what a black swan event is, once you get over the short-term crisis that your whole world has been turned upside down, you have to look at the long-term opportunities because black swan events give you a chance to Sit back, take stock of your business. What are you doing well? What process can you improve? But here's the opportunity in the long term. What new products or services might emerge or see rapid growth from this current challenge? And step back and think about what tools do I have in my toolbox to create, design, and bring a new brand or product to market? And you have the competitive advantage 
over large corporations. You have to think about a train going down the track. Think about how long it takes to stop a train as it's barreling down that track. What advantage you have as a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, or a side hustler is it doesn't take long for you to pivot. So you have the competitive advantage if you stop worrying and stop that feedback filter, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, and change it to, oh my gosh, this is the greatest opportunity ever. How am I gonna take advantage of this? Because every one of you out there has the capacity to look at this situation, problem solve, and figure out what new product or service you could bring to market. It's a time of opportunity. And that's what Black Swan events are. It shakes us out of what we know and makes us innovate. Awesome. And what I get from that is that the mindset is so powerful. It's okay to feel your feelings. Things are a little shaky right now. Things are different. However, as an entrepreneur, you have to remember that you have to seek that opportunity. And that doesn't mean taking advantage of it during this time, but it means taking advantage of the situation, not people's situation, but the situation around and seeing how you can best exploit what's happening, right? Not the people. Again, not the people. Because as soon as people hear this, they think, oh, well, I'm not going to take people for granted and exploit them and all that. It's not exploiting individuals. It's exploiting what's happening around you and the opportunity. I saw a post Lewis Howells put up the other day, and it was saying during the 2008 to 2010 time, so during the last recession, things like Uber were created. And it was some other companies. It was like a long list of companies that we use today all the time. So these companies came out and created something that was needed more than any other time. And they were able to find that opportunity and exploit the situation. So I really appreciate the whole mindset shift that's required that you mentioned, Tracy, that was really important. Thank you. And the last question I want to ask you that I ask all of my podcast guests is, what does freedom mean to you? Well, Gainette, freedom means giving yourself permission to succeed and possibly fail. And if you fail, permission to skip the apology tour. What female entrepreneurs and side hustlers need to understand, countless people will tell you no in life. Why help them with the process by weeding yourself out before you've had the opportunity to do something? Make them say the no, own the no, and explain the no. Only then can you take that feedback and create future success. And that's freedom. Love it. And what really stood out with what you said just now was the permission to fail and the permission to skip the apology tour. Absolutely love, love, love that. And thank you so much. You've given so many jams on the podcast today from talking about digital citizenship and the importance of listening to your customer, what real influences. You taught us about Google Digital Garage. Again, if you are not using that or you haven't heard of it before, I know I'm going to hop on there and check it out after this and definitely take the lessons. And I encourage you to do that as well. So thank you for that information, Tracy. You also told us about the things that we need to change on our website, the FAQ section, the long content, you know, having the SSL certificate and also the about page, what we could do different things to change it. You told us that we need to focus on answers and not just opinions and how to deal with the Lumen recession. And, you know, we need to give ourselves permission to fail. It's just so many jams in this one podcast. And I'm grateful for you. So thank you so much for hopping on here and sharing so much of your knowledge with us today. Well, Gayanete, thank you for having me because I firmly believe that 
when we empower other women, we are empowering our self, we are empowering our communities to succeed at greater levels. And there's a great mind trust out there that needs to be tapped into. So I would encourage everybody who's listening to continue listening to Gayanette's podcast, give her a great review and empower other females to succeed. Thank you so much. And you guys listen, if you don't like the podcast, leave me a two star, three star review, whatever. You know, I want you to keep it real, right? But just leave a review. Let me know. So I know what I can change, what you like and continue to give the best for you. That's what's really important to me. And also a reminder to grab the F word feedback, a guided journal for turning feedback to fuel for millennial fempreneurs and young female leaders who are listening to this podcast. So make sure you grab that. Again, I'm going to put the link below in the description because Tracy is an absolute rock star and you need to learn more from her. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. You've listened all the way this far. So it's my guess that you really did. So maybe it's not a two-star review you're going to be leaving. It's going to be a five-star, right? Right? Anyway, I hope you learned a whole lot. And just to give you a little recap, I know we did a bit of recap in the interview itself, but just so you know, when Tracy was talking about ensuring that your site is searchable with voice in the future, you're going to, and when I say future, I mean by end of this year, if you don't want your site to disappear amongst the abyss, you want to ensure you have that FAQ section, you have that SSL certificate. It's not expensive. You have longer content. If that's your thing, you have a clear, concise about page. You have visible prices if that works for your business and you share your geography. So where your business is located, because that all helps Google provide better information for those who are searching. And also it's about not being that annoying person at the dinner party when you are online and providing real value to your customer based on what you heard from them when you were listening. And also Remember, you have to figure out how to treat this moment right now as a black swan event. I'll see you next time. Okay, okay, I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you. 